Um, Jenny, I have to say thank you, because I did not know what her message was going to be today. I'm glad I didn't read Oswald Chambers this week, because our message would have been the same, and I would have said, you're dismissed, because <laughs> it's like exactly what I'm going to be talking about. It was amazing. So it works. I mean, God does that so often that he plans it out way before we even know, and that's just a little illustration of what I'm going to be talking about today uh, with that. So how many people, and this is just for context, it's not a shaming thing, how many people were here November 20th, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, the last time I spoke? Okay, good. You're going to get a recap of that message to a degree, but I'm also going to add in how it came to life a week later for me. So you'll get the context. So for the people who weren't here, they have to have the context of the message that happened November 20th, and then I will um, share how it came to life. You notice my t-shirt, you can't miss it. You know, I called GoPro to see if they would sponsor me in my race, because I, I, my plea was, I'm slow. People will be able to read the shirt. You know, fast guys, they can't read it. And so I had it done on the front and the back, so you get to see me coming or going. And it's part of the message um, as part of what came to life during this whole entire race. So for those that don't know, I went to Mexico with my wife. I've had a lifelong dream of doing an Ironman race. An Ironman race is 2.4-mile swim in the ocean, 112-mile bike ride, and a 26.2-mile marathon, all done in less than 17 hours. It took me 15 hours and 27 minutes, 50 seconds, but who's counting? <laughs> so... But, you know, when you do something like that, you have to devote, well, for me, it was nine months of my life continuous that I had to devote strictly to training for that. So my wife didn't, and I didn't go hiking this year. We have a rule that we hike a new trail every month, it's winter, summer, it doesn't matter. We got three, I think. We tried to figure this out last night. We got three this year is all out of the 12 months that we got a new trail. It was, I, didn't, I haven't hiked my dogs in nine months. Um, I haven't, you know, there's just so many things that I gave up to do this race, and when it was all said and done, Kelly said, on Monday morning, this was a Sunday, Monday morning, she said, how do you feel? And I said, empty, completely empty. I thought that this accomplishment was going to mean something, it was going to be huge, and I, the day after, I was empty, completely empty. I'd focused on this for so long, and then the event happened, and then it was over, and there was, I didn't have a training schedule Monday morning. I didn't have a training schedule Tuesday morning. In fact, I haven't had a training schedule for 20, well, let's see, um, since that day. <laughs> so I have not worked out since that day. I've had surgery in between, but I haven't worked out since that day. And so it just became this empty thing. But the more I got to tell it, it came to life for me why it actually happened. And this all stemmed from a bucket list a long, long time ago. I grew up in a house that my parents are very, very, it's their words, they're very opinionated or racist against heavy people. And so in fifth grade, I started going to a dietitian. I weighed 155 pounds in fifth grade. I weighed 300 pounds when I started working out with Paul Vickers about a decade ago or so, 12 years, something like that. We can't figure out the exact date. I weighed almost 300 pounds. And so I knew I wasn't going to have that, but then I was always letting my parents down. And so this race was a sh to show them I was fit enough to do these things, and a lot of people can't, so therefore they're wrong in their opinion, and it was, it was motivated out of the whole wrong place. And then a few years ago, I went through um, Celebrate Recovery, which is a 12-step program, 
but I went for codependency because I had to impress everybody. I had to be perfect. I had to be all these things. So I went through that. But the Iron Man still didn't leave the list, but it changed. Why was I going to do the Iron Man? It was just to do it. It wasn't to impress anybody. It wasn't to impress my parents. It wasn't any of that. And so I just wanted to do the race. But then um, I did the race and it was empty. It wasn't anything. So let me go back to November 20th and kind of show you what happened. So what I started that sermon with was, does the end justify the means? That was the title of the, of the sermon that week, and it was talking about sometimes we have such a goal-driven life that we tell God, I've got a better way than you have planned for me, so I'm going to show you how my life will be better. How has that worked out for everybody? <laughs> Doesn't work very well. Um, you know, just like uh, one of the illustrations I said is if Noah wouldn't have used the gopher wood, he would have used some other wood, maybe the boat sinks and it's all, the whole different history going forward at that point. Um, you know, and then also inappropriate intercession um, is another Oswald Chambers talking about. Sometimes we intercede for people, we pray for people, we do things, we pay for bills for people that they're not allowed to go through the things God has put into their lives that they will go through because we bailed them out too soon, too often. And we have to remember that. Sometimes it's not us that's supposed to rescue somebody. Sometimes they have to be able to rescue themselves. And so that's some of the times when we... Uh, ask is, does the end justify the means? And then Paul, in this was all on Philippians 1, um, 12 through the end of the chapter, but I'm only going to share a couple verses out of that for this to go around just because of time constraints with this. But So Paul, during this time, um, he is in prison. And instead of being distraught that he's in prison, he's like, thank God, I have a whole new evangelistic arena that I wouldn't be in if I wasn't in jail, if I wasn't in prison. So what he writes in, in Philippians 1.12 is, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, not most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. So what would most people would think would be a horrible thing to do, he sees the good in it. And so that section, I wanted to rename, woe is me, or now what? Now what? What does God have planned for us? Now what? I'm going to move this. And that leads me, I had mentioned on that week, I'd also said, so how can we do this? How can we have that same response that no matter what happens in our life, we can say, God, now what? What's the next thing? What is it going to be? And so I got to live that part of my sermon. That very question rung in my head as I'm out swimming in the ocean. So everybody, I was, I was so excited because I had talked to people on the plane. They said, this is a race. The swim's a point to point. So you start here, and I swim to, I don't know, what is that? Uh, the Blue Table uh, restaurant or something. Or, you know, it's, it, it's longer than town. Because town is two miles from McDonald's to the edge of town. So I swam further than town on Highway 50. So I'm swimming, and I'm going, and I'm swimming. And at, I'm going, okay, in the plane, they said this is with the current. This, most people that swim about an hour and a half, which is what it usually takes me, are done about an hour. So I was like, awesome. Now all of a sudden, I went into this mode, and Greg's walked through this for nine months with me as well. Is this a race you're going to finish on a certain time, or are you just trying to finish, or whatever? So as soon as I found out that, I was like, okay, so an hour, then I got five and a half hours on the bike, then I got 
the run I can do probably in five hours, ooh, I'm going to have a really, really good time. So it all became a race all of a sudden again. It wasn't just something to accomplish. And that's just my personality, a little OCD on that stuff. And so I was like super excited. I was like, awesome. So I'm swimming, and I'm swimming, and I'm swimming. And, I'm, and there's 1,800 of us in the water at the exact same time. So you're getting hit. You're kicking people. They're kicking you. My help, my hat where you have a swim cap and my goggles came off at one point I caught them luckily and put them back on you know it's just it's chaos it's just a it looks like when you chum for fish and they go crazy in a pond if you've seen that that's what it looks like ask my wife she saw it so that's what it looked like at least that's what I felt it looked like at least but um so I'm swimming and I'm swimming I'm swimming I'm going it's got to be close to an hour so I looked at my watch which does gps and I look at it and sure enough it was uh, 58 minutes and I had swam 0.93 miles so I had a long, long, long way to go. So because I was trying to avoid all the traffic, the buoys are all along this middle aisle, I was way out here trying to avoid as many people as possible, just swimming. So then I, I got to get closer to the buoy. I got to stay closer to the buoy. So I, I get over to the buoy, and I'm swimming. I take about eight strokes, and I'm, the buoy's still right there. And uh, I look down, and you could see to the bottom of the ocean, which was awesome. But buoy, rope, and the anchor's over there. So if anybody knows what that means, it's against the current, right? So I'm going, okay, God, I'm going to have to kick it up. So I start swimming harder. And I realize about two strokes into this, this is the dumbest thing I can do because I'm not going to be able to swim that hard and still finish the race. So I had an option, and my option was to pray. So I started to pray. And I said, God, this is your race. If I'm not supposed to finish it, I'm good with that. If I am going to finish it, I need your help. And so I kept swimming. And then I get to the next buoy, the anchor's here, the rope's there, and the buoy's out there. And I swam the last one point, almost five miles in 42 minutes. The current changed after that prayer. I think intercession. I mean, I, I do, I don't, I finished it. That's all that I know. I know that that was huge. I, I'm sure that I took more water in because I was smiling instead of breathing the right way because I was like, this is awesome, this is working. And then, um, so I had to rely on him. And so in Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that allowed me to have confidence I can believe in God. I can believe in God completely and I can trust him. And if he wants me to finish a race, I'll finish it. If he doesn't, Whatever, we'll figure out the details later. I won't be happy, necessarily, because I wanted to do this. That's in my want, but I also have to realize when things don't go the way, the way I want them, he still is in control and he knows them better than I do. He knows things better than I do. My wife shared with me uh, Craig Rochelle, Rochelle, right? Rochelle. Uh, he's a pastor. Um, some of you know live TV. If you knew, I mean, when you knew Aaron Havens, he, that's where Aaron Havens came from. He is a, a very... He's, a very, he's got a lot of churches, he's on the internet, everything else, but he's a great pastor. But he was a star baseball player, and he was a pitcher, and they were going to go um, to the state championship or whatever, whatever level he was at, and he decided to go over to the batting cage, and instead of hitting in the batting cage that was appropriate for his age, he thought he was hot stuff, so he went to the college level batting cage. First ball came in, smashed his hand, broke it to shreds before the state tournament. So now he's devastated. The sport that he's really good at, he doesn't do. The doctors put him back together. He starts to play tennis. He gets really good at tennis. He plays tennis all the way through college. And he's, a, he's 
super excited about who Christ is. He plays tennis all the way through. There's a sister college next door. This guy introduces him to a woman who is on fire for Christ, is a big tennis advocate, and ends up being his wife later. So a broken hand can lead to a wife. Sometimes having a wife can lead to a broken hand, but we won't get into that with sermon. That's a different topic. But, but you know, it's just like it, we think it's a bad thing when, we ta- when something is taken out of our hands, out of something that we really desire and we want, it gets taken from us, and we can't see it right then why it happened. But down the road, we can always see it, why it happened. And so, actually, I shouldn't say always. A lot of times we recognize it. But we have to remember that God is in control, and he knows the heart that we have. He knows the passion we have. And those things. And so while I'm doing this race, I'm, I'm focused on time. That was the first step where I went, okay, this race is not about time anymore. This is about something else. So I change into my bike gear. I jump on my bike. I have 112 miles to go. It's three laps around the island. I get 50 miles into the, to the race. And um, you go through these aid stations to grab water, food, everything. And you're still rolling. You don't stop. I was going about 15 miles an hour when a kid reached, I reached out to grab a water bottle from a kid and he didn't let go. So I went over my handlebars. And so that's what this, these fun marks are from, and my knee and my hip and my shoulder. Um, so I slid across the chip and seal for a while, which I thought that was only an American invention. I was wrong. So, <laughs> but we had, uh, so I, I got a little road rash from that. And, it, and so I stood there for 30 minutes talking to people and waiting for medics and everything else. And I... So I got all patched up. I got back on the bike. I wasn't going to not finish, I mean, as, unless there was a medical thing or, or that was bigger than this or a mechanical. So I got on my bike, and I started to process. You know, I have 62 more miles to process. That's three hours and plus that I can ride a bike. And so I'm processing. What is this all about? What is this? Why did I crash? What, what happened? Was it? And, you know, Greg pointed out, biking is my best sport. And, of course, the crisis happened during my best sport. The, the thing that I do the best of all the three disciplines, it's my favorite, it's the fastest, I'm most able to do. And that was interesting that it would be during my best sport. So I thought that was a, an interesting thing. I, I thought everything, okay, we got past the swim, everything's going to be easy breezy from here. I mean, not easy, but I'm done. I can do this. And my wife was there and she's watching and you could watch the splits on the internet, some of you did as well. And she's like, okay, it should take him two hours per lap. Two, two hours came and went, 210 went, 220 went. She's like, I know something happened to him. Uh, this is not right. And uh, so she, I see, she goes, go, honey. I see her finally. I slam on my brakes, and I, I, uh, I'm, I've got this huge cast-like thing like here and across my knee and everything else. And, and, she, and she looks at me, and I go, I'm not quitting. And she goes, I didn't expect it. So, <laughs> so, but I just wanted to let you know I'm okay, you know, because I knew she was like, this doesn't, this isn't, this, he shouldn't have this trouble during the bike part. And so I'm processing, and the 39 and a half miles for that lap till I was going to see the kid that was about 12 years old that was helping volunteer, I felt convicted that I had to talk to that kid. I had to stop the race, because it's not about time anymore. It's about the adventure. I got to start cheering fans on instead of them cheering me on. I was yelling be the world's greatest fans to the crowd. And, you know, they were yelling back. And so it, it became so different because instead of being focused on me, it started to become focused on others. Because when you're in a race, you focus only on you. You only focus on your pain. You only focus on everything else. But now I was able to start focusing on others and really enjoying it. 
And uh, Russell Japuntich, who go, comes to church here, he said, this is not about a race for you. This is about the journey, because I talked about that in my sermon on the 20th. It's about the journey, and it's also about having 15 hours, 16 hours, whatever it takes you, of being alone with God in his creation. Because you're not allowed, the only time you're allowed to be next to somebody, well, you could try and talk during swimming, it doesn't work. But during the run, you can be next to somebody. But in the bike, you have to be at least 12 meters away from somebody else so you can't draft. It's not like the Tour de France where you all get in a big pack and you just ride together. You have to break your own uh, wind resistance, everything else, um, during that race. And so you're alone. So I had a lot of time to converse with God, and it was amazing, and it was awesome. And so I finally got back to the place where the crash happened. The kid had already been gone, but the supervisor was there, and I just said, please tell this, the child that it's an accident. Things happen. I'm not disappointed in him. In fact, when it happened, I went over my handlebars, I crashed, and they're like, do you need a medic? I go, no, I just need a Gatorade. <laughs> this is the point where I'm starting to lose it, I guess. I don't know. I, I was like, oh, this is, I'm more worried about the drink. And so the kid, he took the water bottle, and he puts it in the water bottle cage sheepishly, and he walks away. <laughs> He's like, I'm getting away from this guy. And, and so, but, um, you know, it was, and so I got done with the bike, all of the bike. And so I'm still trying to process all of this, and I go to run. And I, I run about the first mile, and my knee is killing me. Um, the injury was bad enough you could see my shin bone. So, um, so just a little bit, though. Um, just tiny. Um, but I just, I was like, I'm going to finish this thing. And I had this shirt on. That's why I'm wearing this shirt today. Because I, I was, at that point, I was like, okay, what can I do? And about a mile in, I started to walk. Because I was like, I can walk and finish. I have plenty of time. I won't be able to run and finish probably because my knee's gonna, something's going to happen to my knee. I just can feel it if I try and run. So I started to walk. And what I was led to is you can pray with people. That's what I heard when I was like, why is this doing what it is? So as people were coming along, and people who push really hard and their high heart rate start to run out of sugar, glycogen basically, sugar, and so they start to hallucinate, they start to get sick, they start to wobble over the place. It's carnage. I mean, there's people, it's carnage all over the place because people push too hard. They're not trained enough for it or whatever. And so I would be able to go up and, and ask people, are you doing okay? And they'd be like, no, not really. And I'd go, do you mind if I pray with you? And I'd lay hands on them and pray with them while I was doing the walk portion. And so I was able to do that. Or if I wasn't able to get to them and they were laying on the ground, I would just, I would just pray for them that they would be wise enough to stop if their body wasn't able and that medics could take care of them or whatever. Um, but that's what this whole thing became. And the more I've told it, the more I see the different changes along the route of how I still was able to accomplish what I wanted. It didn't look like the picture that I thought it would be for the years that I've focused on this, the years I've thought about this race, the, the day I thought, oh, this race, I can do it. 13 and a half hours is the average for my age group. I'm thinking I can hit that. I can get to the average. And uh, it just wasn't meant to be for that. And so when you're racing, you're focused on you. And when it became a change and I get to start focusing on others, that was when, and telling this to people, is when it changes the whole focus. And I understand what it was all about. It wasn't about the Iron Man per se. It wasn't about self, self-conquering of something. I knew I could do it, or I would have never signed up. I'm a calculated person. I just don't sign up for things I don't think I can do. Um, I knew I would be able to do it. 
but then I didn't know that I was going to be asked to change. And so, was I, so the question I had to keep asking is, am I okay with God taking over my life and doing it the way he wants to? The answer is yes, and I have to be. You know, um, I, I was, this summer I was, uh, did a, ser- a sermon on trust, and then I was asked to go over to Snowmass Chapel and, and fill their pulpit, and I did the same sermon on trust there. And my sister asked me, are you nervous? And I said, I can't be. I can't be nervous before the sermon because I trust that God's going to help me out through the sermon. He's going to provide the right words to say. So I can't be nervous. I can have anxiety a little bit because of speaking in front of a group, but I can't be nervous because I trust him. And I trust that he will take care of me. And so where does that come from? Where do I get that confidence? Where, do, where does that all come from? And so there's quite a few scriptures that I want to add. And if you're taking notes, um, great. Because So <clears throat> James 1, 2 through 6, is, a, you know, most people will know this, but consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that it may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. And so my trial of falling off my bike, my trial of it doesn't necessarily test my faith, but it kind of did, you know, because I was. I was like, okay, God, let's do this together, you know. This is for you. This is not about me, uh, you know. It was. I had made it about me, but I, I was trying to figure out how to bring him glory. Um, throughout the process, I was thinking at one point I was going to buy wristbands and hand them out to the kids that said, Jesus is Lord in Spanish, because we were in Cozumel. I was going to do that as I was walking or running to hand out these things to the kids, um, just trying to figure out how to, to make it his glory. But, you know, sometimes, and I don't know if you do this, I, I know I have, sometimes we feel like we get hurt by God because we don't get what we want, because it didn't go our way. You know, um, something gets taken from you. Someone might be taken from you. Um, you know, the thing that you planned didn't go the way you wanted. And so, I know in my past, sometimes I've purposefully tried to hurt God back. I've purposefully sinned when I know it's not the right thing to do because he's hurt me, so I'm going to hurt him back. You know what? That doesn't work. You're only hurting yourself, is what I've found every time that's ever happened in my life, where I purposely tried to get revenge on God because something hasn't gone my way. And so, try and, you know, I don't know if you've done it. I'm just being pretty transparent, but I know I have done that in the past. And so, we have to be confident that God knows what he's doing. He's lived our lives. He's seen every step of our lives. He knows the day that we will perish. He knew the day we would be born. He knew us way before we were born. And so, he knows our eternal um, best. So, other scriptures that I'd like to add is uh, Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that all things uh, God work, or we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have not called according to His purpose. 
And then Philippians 1, 21 through 22, Christ talk, or Paul is talking there. This is the second part of, of that scripture that I shared on the 20th. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor, labor for me. So what that means is he understands that if he's alive, he should be working for God's glory. And he knows that when we die, if we believe in our salvation and we believe Christ is our Savior, that it is better than what we currently live in. But if as long as we're, our, we're breathing, our heart's ticking, we should be living to bring him glory through everything we do and all of our actions. And so that is what um, we are here to do. We fill our bucket up with what we hear today, with the challenges we hear, the challenges we leave you with every Sunday. When we listen to praise music, when we listen to, we do devotionals, we do all those things. We, we fill up our buckets so that we can, are prepared to pour it out to others. You know, Paul's, one of Paul's last things is, um, oh, it's Ephesians 4, but it's, uh, it's his charge to Timothy to encourage him to be ready in and out of season, to be prepared to give a defense. Um, Another scripture, uh, Romans fifteen thirteen, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may f- overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2, 10 speaks to the filling of the bucket and how we're supposed to work. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And... And then Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as, we, as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Father, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So I hope that you can realize that, the, actually I'm going to ask the praise band to come up. They can get situated while I'm closing. But I hope that you can find that same hope. That you're okay when things don't go the way you planned. That you understand there is a bigger plan than who you are. Um, we're going to actually sing the song that's printed on my shirt, No Longer Slaves, which is one of my favorite songs. Um, but, you know, the, there's a thing that was in the Believe study that says, Hope activates faith, okay? And faith deepens hope. So it's a circle that just keeps building on itself. I'll say it again. Hope activates faith, and faith deepens hope. So it's when we have that faith that we can trust God completely with our lives that we are able to do all things. Do all things. And when things don't go right, we're able to still smile. Or at least when we might mourn um, a loss of a, of a family member or a friend or something like that, we still mourn, but we understand that God knows what he's doing. He's got it figured out. We don't always understand it. We don't always agree with it. We don't always like it. But we have to remember God is sovereign. He knows all. 
and he knows everything through all, all of time. Amen. So. Let's all stand together. God before us, who can be against us? You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song. A deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love has called my name. I've been born again into your family. Your blood flows through my veins. I'm no longer a Yes, I am a child.
Thank you for being here today. Thank you for loving God more than sleep. Some of you probably stayed up late last night. I know one of them did. Oh. <laughs> she was complaining at warm-ups this morning how early it was. So, uh, But it's good. You made it. Good job. Yay. See? Priorities. That's good. You did it. So... This is, you know, now is the first is when people make their resolutions, they make their changes, they make their dedications, they make all these things that they're going to do for the year. Put God first. Put God first. Whatever you're going to do, do that. Put Him in the center of it, no matter what it is. Do it for Him, not because somebody's telling you something you have to do. Okay? If you release it to God, it will be much easier. You know, I had a friend tell me about smoking, and their pastor said, if you release it to God and you don't focus on it, you will quit smoking when God's ready for you to quit smoking. And they were able to quit smoking after many, many times of not being able to quit smoking because they were so focused on it. So give it to God, release it to God, focus on Him, and the rest will take care of itself. Okay? Have a wonderful 2017 Have a wonderful rest of your day. I love you all. Amen.